It's the beginning of the school year, and I've got an itch to change the way I teach things. We all get that inclination. We really do. We, all, we always get that gusto at the beginning of the year before, our, I guess, I almost call it teaching malaise sets in, where we kind of go with what we've done before. So on that note, today's topic is about game-based learning, gamification, games. The idea that you can use a game of some nature to change the way you do things. So, the first Let's, we need to do is kind of make the distinction about what these three things are. They often get used interchangeably and they're not even close to the same thing. No. Um, and we're actually pulling, the core of this information is coming from um, a site called elearninginfographics.com and there's a, if you look at our collections on Teaching Brood, you'll actually see a link to this. So just be aware of that. Uh, this is where we're, you know. Yeah, it, it's got a nice sum up. It makes it pretty simple because sometimes the lines get blurred between it. They do, huge. So yep. let's start off old school. Games. Games. Like Monopoly and, well, Clue and, you know, yeah. card games. Those are just games. Games. And the games are just, it's a winning-losing situation. They're one-off situations very often. Um, they may or may not learn anything from the game. Right. And that is the thing. They may or may not. They can. But it's typically got a fun-based, the core of it is just a fun-based thing. Um, they might not have defined rules, they might not have objectives, there's not going to be a long-term goal to this thing. And how you play the game is the core of it, as opposed to a learning objective or something beyond that. Um, and that's kind of what, that's what we all grew up with when we had games days and things like that. That's, it was basically, we didn't necessarily learn anything. But we were able to have fun. Yeah. Now, you, you might have accidentally learned something when you were doing it. Like, back in the old day of the old Final Fantasy games from the Nintendo NES. I mean, I learned to read and develop my lexicon that way. That was definitely not the intention of the game. No. But it was the game. Then we've got game-based learning. So, that's got an actual learning objective attached to the game. You might not actually lose that game, it, the, because the, more of the emphasis is on process. It's, it's more based on the intrinsic reward of the game. Uh, they're often usually actually quite hard to build, um, because there's a bit more depth to these things than... Time-consuming. Time-consuming, yeah. You, and the, the content typically will also change, depending on what a person does or how a person interacts with the game. So would that be like an example of Breakout Edu, which is really popular right now? That could be an example of that, yeah. Um, and the final one, just to make sure we just don't blur the lines, this, is the, this one's become the buzzword when reality is a lot of people aren't using it right. Gamification. Um, gamification is often just it's a selection of tasks with points or some form of reward attached to them. Um, you might not be able to lose this game. Because the intention isn't a win-lose, it's a motivation. It's a learning objective driven, intrinsically rewarding game. A lot of primary music teachers actually use gamification in their classroom. 
they have something called recorder karate. Mm. And it's if you play this song, you get a piece of colored yarn, which matches the recorder belt or the karate belts to put on the end of their recorders. That's gamification. The uh, big idea behind gamification is that there's often not one thing to use. It's often not just a just rocket math. You're using, like you said, pieces of yarn is attached to it. Uh, you might attach your learning management system to it. So you might attach if you're using Class Dojo. You might use Class Dojo attached to it, or you might use Schoology or whatever you're using to manage to, to manage the learning. It's probably going to be associated with the game itself. So that's what makes this different. It's layered. Yeah. This is also, gamification is actually the easiest one to do. Yes. Because all you have to do is set up a point system. Yeah. Do this, get this. Yeah. The problem is, it does wear off after a while and the kids aren't as motivated to do it. So you need to create, you need to attach a reward system that's going to last a long time or change your reward system frequent enough to keep it in the context of the gamified world that you've created in your classroom. Um, just going to make a shout out to a guy named Rob Aparino. You can, you'll, we'll put his name and kind of his Twitter handle on the bottom of this. Um, fantastic guy here in Asia. He works for, he works in Ho Chi Minh City, uh, and he is great at um, gamification. He's done many, many different um, sessions, and he knows a lot about it. Um, so yeah, Rapino.com, R-A-P-P-I-N-O.com. We'll put the link in the bottom. Um, anyways, so back to our topic at hand. What are the big advantages of game gamification? The the gamification, it you definitely have um, your kids at first mm. are going to be really motivated. Yeah. And for you, there's a little bit of setup, but you get so much out of it because your kids are motivated to learn, so they're constantly trying to do better, yeah. which is awesome. If you go with um, the game-based learning, there's a lot more setup for you to do. But you know what? They get a lot out of it too. And it ends up being oftentimes something more, um, it's not direct teaching. So your kids may end up learning things that you didn't intend them to learn. Yeah. And they also have to learn cooperation and team building skills and all of those transdisciplinary stuff. Um, a good example of game-based learning would be uh, Minecraft EDU. Excellent. Um, gamification, on the other hand, I mean, there's a million different examples of it out there, but it's really the kind of thing that you need to kind of poke your head into people who really specialize in it to figure it out. I mean, because they're working, like, they might use Minecraft EDU as part of it, mm -hmm. but then they might also bring in yarn. They might also bring in the old school candy system. They might bring in team points on yeah. desks. Um, in order to get Friday pizza day. Or to get an extra recess time. So... It's, it's a bit more osmotic in the classroom. And the teacher has to make sure, and this is the big thing with gamification, it's consistent. Oh yeah, no playing favorites on that one. No, no, no. And you can't all of a sudden just forget about it for a day or two. Trust me, the kids will remind you if, they're, if, if you're engaged. And that's often this gauge of if they're engaged or not. If they're reminding you if you haven't done it, you've gamified in a good way. So there's a guy out there that has taken our Pokemon craze. What level have you gotten to now? Uh, I'm level 20. Ooh. They make you get 50,000 experience points as of level 20. And like the 25, 19 to 20, 25,000 experience points. 20 so to 21, 50,000, that's tough. See, I got to level seven and then I had to go back to work. We've got teachers all over the globe who are use, trying to use this Pokemon craze. Yeah. 
and apply it to their classroom. Yep. There's a lot of things that you could be doing with that. One person has redeveloped the math program. Somebody else is looking to see how they can be using it for geography. Yep. You know, looking at stuff around the community. There's an um, example that I've been kind of playing with in my own head, admittedly. Um, and it's basically to gamify it a bit or put it in the world of the Pokemon. So you may, so this will work better with little with littler ones. So my grade threes, for example. Um, you basically make each table group a Pokemon. And you have them at the, you pick one that can evolve a fair bit and you have it at its most basic one. And as their table gets points, after so many points they can choose to evolve into a better Pokemon at their table. Um, and then, yeah, and eventually you can rotate that throughout the year. So, And in the end, it's almost like creating team colors. For example, if you want to start with, you know, Team Squirtle. Well, that's actually Team Blue. You right. know, it just so happens that... He's got a different name now, and yeah. it can turn into something bigger and better. Yes, and then they can get more Pokeballs. The only thing we don't know about using Pokemon Go in the classroom, or Pokemon in the classroom, is that if this will last. It's still new. It's only been around about a month. Um, and before that, Pokemon, after talking to several toy licensors that I've gotten familiar with, Pokemon was kind of on its way out. It wasn't that popular of a thing mm-hmm. right on up to when Pokemon Go came out. And then all of a sudden, Pokemon Go floods the market, and it's a thing again. It's staying power is the question. So if you use this as a system, be aware it might not necessarily stay. We just don't know. But it can be gamified. There are several toys that have come back over the years. Yes, there are. And there are some games that have lasted and lasted and lasted. Well, Mario Brothers has been around an awfully long time. Well, let's go even older school. Let's look at Scrabble and Monopoly. That's true. Which, by the way, are still good games to be used in classroom. Notice the distinction there. We haven't said game-based learning on that one. We've said games. They are games, indeed. And, you know, if you're using Scrabble in your classroom, your kids might accidentally learn how to spell. Yes. I'm also going to put a little shout-out to a game that I've become love, a love of. It's called Bananagrams. It's very simple, it's very fun, and little kids can use it because they're basically creating their own Scrabble board. So if you're looking for some quick language games, Bananagrams is a good one. And by the way, you'll notice on this, and I'm going to say this right away. Well, I should have said this right away. Um, we're not only talking about digital games. Gamification, game-based learning and games don't have to be on your screen. They don't have to be on an iPad, on your MacBook, on your phone. Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a certain level of interaction there, but Scrabble is still a useful game, even for high schoolers. Oh, yeah. In uh, fact, it can get even better in uh, high school because you've got to use better words. Or it, you could use it in your second language class or your third language class. Oh, yeah. Um, Monopoly has layers to it. Frustrating as the game can be, it has to do with real-life application of buying and selling and trading. So it can be used at a fundamental basic level, but it can also be used at a relatively high level, and it is a board game. Yes, I know there are digital versions of it out there, but the idea of physical manipulation of a tool, of a, of a thing, of a tool, rather than just putting your fingers on a screen or a keyboard, it matters. Yeah. And some kids like it better. So you can use games like that. And I'm, sure, and I'm sure I haven't actually tried it out myself, but those I'm sure most of those games could be incorporated with a gamification program in some ways. Um, but remember that it's not always about putting your eyes in front of a screen. Yeah. 
So one of the ones that is actually uh, analog and digital that I want to give a shout out to uh, comes from Pixel Press. And it's called Floors. What's really cool, like this will really appeal to those of us who played the original Super Mario. Mm. So you had your 2D, you walked along, you had things that you had to jump over and whatnot. Well, with Floors, you can create that. Mm. So you get a piece of paper that has a grid on it. And you've got to draw out, using your math skills and geometry and all that, what your different levels look like. Where are your holes? What do you have to jump over? And then, using your digital device, you take a picture of it, and the software turns that into your actual game. And then you end up playing something that looks like Super Mario, but you were the one that designed it. Cool. And, I mean, I think the idea of designing your own world often incorporates various different... Um, subject areas simultaneously. That's why I think one of the big, that's why Minecraft gets one of its big appeals. Because you have to do basic maths in it. You have to do basic design. Stuff like that. So I think the games that engage more than one subject area that end up being transdisciplinary have been the most successful. Um, yeah, so we don't want to keep this too long. So, I mean, that's a gamification, game-based learning and games in a nutshell. And all three valid to use in your classroom. Absolutely. Um, if you want to add, if you know some really good games or some really good people who have gamified their classroom, post it in the comments below. Um, let us share share that around. Let, let other people know because I know there's a lot of folks out there who are trying this or are very confused about it, and but really want to give it a shot. The reality is sometimes we don't have the budget to go to a tech conference. We can so let's let's kind of get the word out about this. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Have a great week, everybody, and Bye. an awesome school year. Awesome. Bye.